I spent the last 10 years teaching corporate America leadership and teamwork. Now, I've left my 9 to 5 job to help as many people as possible become leaders in their work and personal lives. Some say leaders are born, but I say they're built. This podcast is the beginning of my mission to create change on a massive scale. Join me and follow along as we explore leadership, teamwork, and growth together. My name is Brian Rollo, and this is Lead with Impact. Hey there, and welcome to Lead with Impact. This is Brian, and I'm glad you could join me today. In today's episode, we're going to be speaking to someone who has a lot of knowledge to share with us. We're going to be talking to Wendy Waldron. Wendy is an accomplished EOS implementer. If you're not sure what that is, you will learn that in this podcast. A medical practice executive, a project manager, an energy aligner, and a storyteller. And she's long been interested in why we do what we do and how we can do it better. And her work is founded on the belief that human potential is priceless, but that the time and effort that we put into our workplaces carry a real burden. So I'm looking forward to speaking to Wendy, and let's get to it. Wendy Waldron, everyone. And welcome, Wendy Waldron of Waldron Works. Thank you very much, Brian. You're welcome. It's exciting to have you here. Thank you for joining me. Oh, I'm glad to be part of part of your presentation. So I'd like to get started by you telling me and our audience what you do to help people. Sure. So Waldron Works is founded on the belief that human potential is limitless. Uh, and at the same time that we very often in our organizations, uh, we don't tap into that potential. Uh, We either don't know how or have forgotten how, um, and maybe in some cases we've become so busy that we're not even quite clear on exactly where we're going. We haven't given ourselves the time uh, and invested in our own professional development as leaders and as business owners uh, sometimes uh, to get really clear on exactly where we're headed, uh, how we want our team to get there, and how we'll know when we're there. Uh, So that's what I do with Waltern Works whether that is individual coaching, sometimes it's project management, working alongside an existing team, uh, or implementing the entrepreneurial operating system. That's a good segue. I'd like to talk about that entrepreneurial operating system Mm -hmm. because I think that's going to be fascinating for a lot of people listening and myself. But before we get there, could you sort of tell me how you got to where you are now? You know, whenever we speak to somebody, it's never in a vacuum. There's a journey for them to get to where they are in this conversation. So could you give us uh, a version of that? How did you get to be in the situation where you are a consultant helping organizations reach their potential? Sure. Well, Brian, I have always been fascinated uh, by the idea that we could be living in a different reality. So, you know, whether that's the science fiction geek in me or whatever it might be, we've chosen, we collectively, as groups of people, have chosen everything from the shape of our homes to the, the shape of the table that I'm, I'm working at here. So each one of those choices led to, led to another. The environments that we live in are created very much by us. So once we realize that and once we remind ourselves of that, it becomes easier to see how much 
the choices that we make in our human interactions are also our choices. The ways that we behave are guided by choices that we've made in the past. They're guided by our experiences. And unless we actively reboot ourselves to learn another way or think about ourselves as actors, as creators within our companies, uh, then, then it's hard to see that. It's hard to see another path. Uh, but when you do, um, then you can, and it becomes a lot more, a lot more interesting. Um, so I have been leading teams uh, for about 25 years, uh, whether that was professionally and I was doing the interviewing and the hiring and uh, the, you know, the leading the staff meetings and all of that and have seen through the years and lots of different, different trainings, different approaches uh, to doing that. So um, as I went through those those different um, experiences, whether that was in higher education, student affairs, uh, and then for a long time in in medical practice management, um, we, I was able to to see and to be part of um, different cultures and then changing those cultures. Uh, so to me, it's it, again, it's just the way that we as human beings create our ideas for the day, the way we interact with events that happen to us and around us. Uh, it's just fascinating. Um, and so learning how to do that um, in a way that can grow a business, in a way that moves, that makes the world a better place uh, tomorrow than it was today. Um, so whether that's working in nonprofits or working in a medical office or uh, working alongside a leadership team that is trying to do something that's hard, uh, that to me is just fascinating. Uh, and I, I love being part of that. So that's a lot of why I do um, what I do and how I have been able to communicate and, and learn from people with all different kinds of backgrounds, uh, very different from mine. Um, but understanding and empathizing with their with their journey as they learn how they want to be tomorrow and what they want their company to look like tomorrow and what they want to be building and, and gathering with them and their group of people along the way. The interesting part about being a consultant, which is something we both do in slightly different ways, but mm -hmm. we are entrepreneurs building our own plane, as I like to say, at the same time, we're helping other people build their planes. Yes. So we're building our businesses, helping other people run their businesses. So entrepreneurially, have there been any struggles or challenges for you? Yes. Uh, and it's, it's a big one. And it's also almost, almost silly, maybe to people who have a different background uh, than mine. Uh, I have been part of the largest organizations that I can find, could find, uh, for my entire career, in fact, there have been times when when that was that was the the beginning of my search was finding the biggest companies. If I was relocating, what's the biggest place, and what can I learn from them, and how can I fit within their structure to grow uh, and to build something for myself as an intrapreneur? Uh, so it, it, within healthcare, of course, there are rules. There are lots of rules. And in big organizations, there are committees and there are forms and there are committees to review the forms. And then there are committees that meet to review the products of the previous committee. There's meetings before the meetings. There's lots and lots of layers of people working together. Um, and, and that means that you have to ask permission 
to do most anything. The, the most minor change can impact a lot of people. You really need to kind of vet that through all of those people. Uh, it can also, though, be a little bit paralyzing. Uh, so for me as an entrepreneur, the biggest thing that I have to keep reminding myself is that nobody's going to tell me that I have permission. No one's going to tell me that it's okay to do something, nor are they going to stop me. So I can go, I can go do things um, without waiting for permission. And that's taken a little while to learn. Just talking about the meetings, the endless meetings, I, I know mm -hmm. that like s strikes at my soul along <laughs> with probably <laughs> a lot of the other people. And it's fascinating that somehow the structure, if you're not careful, can swallow the mission. In other words, this business, whatever it is, eventually started, whether it's a hospital, whether it's whatever it is, it started mm -hmm. with a mission. And then we build this structure around it. And it's almost like if we don't be careful about it and really conscious, that structure can become so unwieldy that it almost swallows the mission and becomes the whole reason we're there is to support the structure, if you know, if you know what I mean. Yes. Oh, absolutely. It becomes a, a, almost an entity in itself. Um, and we forget that we created it. And so we can, we can take it apart, right? We can step aside from that. Um, and that's where I found the most success was in simply just stepping aside from some of that and speaking to the people that I was working with um, as if they were people and not roles. Uh, so the more we can do that, uh, the more connections, human connections we can make and hopefully better understand each other and move forward together, whether we're in a really big organization uh, with, with too many rules uh, or one that could use a little more structure. Actually, the flip side of that is that I'm finding it, and as you may be as well, some of our smaller companies um, are doing great work. Maybe they're making a lot of money. Their, their people, though, are a little stressed because it is a lot about personality rather than a bit of structure based on the goals of the organization, based on the goals of the owner uh, or the leadership team. And so that's where, uh, that's where I see my work in helping to organize their communications in a way that uh, doesn't create this structure, this behemoth of a strategic plan that just sort of strangles you um, and you, you, you can't do anything about it and you feel like it's separate from your day-to-day -day work. Um, but rather to find ways to build structure that make that day-to-day -day work easier, that are the substance of what you're doing, rather than that thing you're supposed to get to before the next you know, re uh, retreat or, or planning session. And I'd like to revisit something you said earlier. You said you had a strategy to always find the biggest place you could work at. And I've never heard anyone say that that way before. So <laughs> could you, uh, but I think it's fascinating. Could you explain to your mindset behind uh, that decision? Yes. Um, I enjoy working with people and lots of people. Um, and my personal life has, has been happening in, in really rural places. Uh, so uh, my family uh, lives in a little tiny town. And I love living in a little town, but I need people and have found that uh, I want to be around people who are excited about what they're doing, that have trained for what they're doing, and that have some sense of, of mission or of passion, even if it's not mission about the broader organization that they're currently working for, but some passion about being a nurse 
being a doctor, specifically maybe being a very specialized type of physician. Uh, so that these are these are folks who understand excellence, they understand commitment, and they sometimes uh, can use the help of someone like me to communicate bet between those silos, right? So between um, one specialty and another, or between the myriad of people who are creating those forms and creating those committees to try to keep themselves sane and, and keep everybody working together. Uh, so yes, I actively sought out large organizations so that I could both contribute to um, in, in a bigger way uh, and find opportunity for myself, uh, just personally and, and professionally, of course, but uh, in looking out for myself and in building my future, um, and also so that I could learn from the biggest breadth of people uh, that I could find. I love that. Yeah. Why do you like working with medical practices so much? Uh, I like it because uh, because of that commitment that I mentioned. Uh, in in medicine, you're not making widgets, right? So uh, the people that are drawn to healthcare, especially these days, it's more complicated all the time. Uh, they're drawn because they want to care for people. Uh, they could have been scientists. They could have been teachers. They could have done lots of other things that are also useful and, and contribute. But they specifically want to do the, the action that they're doing right now. They specifically want to care for people in the way that they're caring for them. Uh, and that's exciting to be around. That's energy that you can work with. That's a level of commitment uh, and a level of investment uh, that you don't find everywhere. Uh, and so it was one that I very much appreciated working with for a long time. It's energizing whenever you work with someone who has a clear mission. Yes. Yeah. So I can, I can totally see the, the draw of working with those kinds of businesses. Now, I want to go back to EOS. Yes, yes. The Entrepreneurial Operating System was created by a man named Gino Wickman. It's a management structure, it's a framework, uh, a set of tools that are very simple that many of us already are aware of. Uh, so he has been, he's been a, a consultant and entrepreneur himself uh, for many years and some time ago started writing books about what he was doing and boiling down his formula for his clients uh, into something that other people could use as well and could employ in their businesses. Uh, so the entrepreneurial operating system uh, creates six disciplines uh, that, that we think about in terms of how your business is operating, um, whether it's your people or whether it's the metrics that you're using. There are six disciplines, and within each, there's a couple of tools uh, that are helpful in, in keeping a business on track. It is an action-oriented model, Brian. I'll tell you for sure that it is. there's no huge binder of a strategic plan. There are not endless committees and such, right? This is meant to be uh, applicable in an entrepreneurial environment for a growing company, uh, a solid company already, already starting, uh, you know, already growing, um, and now needing to keep themselves together and moving forward. Uh, so that there can be a common vision that's really shared by everybody in the organization so that the communications are healthy, uh, people feel good about what they're doing, they know what's their job and what's not their job. Um, and then you can gain real traction in the marketplace 
when you have a product or a service that is clearly defined, uh, when you have a team that's working all of their all their oars are rowing in the same direction, um, and when you're you're working on these 90-day cycles. Um, so that's that's what EOS is. As an EOS implementer, um, I work alongside the leadership team in coaching and facilitating um, nine, every 90 days. It's a full day session um, where we look at where they've been. We look at where they're going. We learn another tool or two um, and kind of regroup uh, so that everyone on the leadership team stays as grounded as they can. They work really hard in between. It's not that we're taking the work out of it by any means, but by clearing away uh, the the indecision, the lack of process, and understanding just how we're going to move forward together, uh, you can make a lot uh, you can make a lot of progress uh, more quickly, um, and as I said, gain in the marketplace and and gain just in your employees and uh, your leadership teams. Uh, satisfaction with their jobs, so they stay, and you're not spending time spinning through a hiring cycle. Uh, so, so EOS, uh, there are a couple of books that I would point folks to if they're interested. Uh, one is called Traction by Gino Wickman. Another is called Get a Grip. Um, these have been a around for a while, and in fact, the EOS system is one that you can implement. You can self-implement. Um, it's just really challenging to to separate yourself, to divorce yourself from the emotional investment that you've made in your own company. Uh, so in that sense, um, the other day I was speaking with someone who ran his company uh, on EOS for six years. And he said, you know, in the middle, I tried. I tried to get away from having an implementer that was working alongside us, but it just wasn't the same. And I found that I really wanted that coaching. I wanted that support. So some people do. Um, but EOS is, is meant to be something that you learn, you use, and then you don't need your implementer anymore. And you simply refer me to another business owner um, who could use that support and who sees you uh, living a, a balanced life again and liking your job and liking your company. Uh, so that's in, in a nutshell, uh, that's what EOS can offer a growing company. I think having a coach, whether it's for EOS or anything else, to your point, is so important, especially for small businesses, because mm -hmm. sometimes running a small business, it's so easy to let emotions or the next problem overtake you and for you to get swept away in things that are maybe not strategically sound because you're so close to it. Yes. Uh, at least that's what, that's what I found in working with other people who run small businesses. And that's why I think the beauty of someone... Um, that can come in and help with those sort of things. Even though many times people may think, I can do it myself, mm -hmm. having that voice next to you, if nothing else, to get you back on track when you start to go off, I think is so valuable. It's a, it's a small investment with such a payout uh, for yourself personally uh, and, and for your team as well. We know that the, um, the highest achieving people uh, in any discipline, whether it's sports or business or, or anything, when you look at them, they haven't done that by themselves. Uh, they have done that uh, with whether it's whether they are calling them coaches or mentors uh, or or just buddies, right? Uh, it can be really lonely uh, working by yourself and working with a team when everyone's always looking to you for the answer. 
so you, you really do uh, benefit from having someone to speak with, um, even if it's once a month, right? Even if that, so, so I have started to do some coaching uh, because I was asked to. Um, EOS was a, a little, a little big, a little too much, more than what, um, more than what everybody was interested in doing for their business, and and it's not necessarily for every organization. Uh, so instead, um, if it's a refresher coaching. Uh, that can be offered. You know, it's it's the start of the new school system, school year, and the weather gets cooler. Uh, I sleep better at this time of year. I always feel like, all right, now it's time to make the plan. Now is summer's done. We had our fun. You know, I don't know if you feel the same way, but it's almost like a new year. Uh, it's a great time to to call a coach and um, work out a, a little refresher session for yourself. Yes, I agree. In a way, it's strangely exciting, even though I hate to see summer go. Part of me does enjoy getting fired up about these types of things, which I guess is why the two of us are having this conversation. It <laughs> is. It is what we're training, that, you know. Yeah, right. we do. We do share that. It's K through 12 and, you know, then beyond for some of us and uh, very far beyond for some of us and, and others uh, not as much. Um, but it is it is a great time to just uh, take a fresh start and, and take a look at what you're doing and, and truly gear up for 2020. I don't, I don't even dare to say that. Almost, I don't want to hear myself say that, but it is the time when organizations are looking at their plans for the next year and budgeting and, and really getting a hold of, of what they'll need. So now is the time. You talked about mentors earlier. Mm -hmm. Do you have any mentors that helped you get to where you are? Um, whenever I'm, I'm asked a question like that, I think of a woman uh, we'll have to we'll have to tag her in, in this publication. Her name is Barbara Chapman, and Barb Chapman was uh, a supervisor for me when I was learning learning the, the uh, trade of uh, outpatient medical practice management. And at a certain point, we were opening um, we were opening a second floor that was to be all specialists. Um, the first floor of the building was primary care. And the second floor was opening. I had recently been asked to coordinate that. And it was, it was a new uh, set of responsibilities for me. And she walked in one day to the space that was barely finished. I think the carpet had been laid. I think the tile was down, maybe not the molding yet. I was the only one in this big cavernous space. And she walked in and uh, this was some time ago, so it was paper binders. She gave me two huge binders, huge binders, all full of the uh, purchase orders and receipts and plans uh, and told me that boxes would start arriving. And uh, here you go. This is what you'll need. Uh, you'll need to set this up. And so it not only gave me a huge opportunity to work with uh, what became a couple dozen specialists and, and their offices and their teams and to coordinate that but also gave me trust and confidence, at least to the extent that you can give that to someone else in saying, here are my, here's my original work and now it's yours. I am delegating this to you and entrusting you with the future of this floor of this, of this medical office. Um, now, I, I will say it was a little overwhelming at the time. <laughs> and, and in fact, it was a lot overwhelming. Um, but through that trust and then through that work, that's that's how you that's how you learn and that's how you uh, gain confidence in yourself and it's how you gain confidence in delegating to someone else. 
Um, she knew what she was doing. She had clearly set me up for mm -hmm. success. Uh, she backed me up when uh, when I needed it. Uh, she was clear that the credit was mine and the fault was hers. All of those things that uh, that we that we teach ourselves, right? Uh, that when you're working with other people, that you try to lift them up, you try to try to push them forward and uh, show them bigger opportunities than they even knew maybe were there. Uh, so uh, that's a story that I like to tell about a time when a mentor of mine uh, made a difference for me. That's fantastic. I'm sure yeah, she'll be yeah. happy to hear, hear you tell that story. <laughs> Here's a question I don't think we talked about, but I would like to ask you. If you had a billboard or one sentence to put out to the world, to be your message, uh, particularly when it comes to work and professional life, what would you tell them? You know, there, there is a phrase that I used a couple of times um, that got such a reaction. I, I used it in, maybe I was testing a bit, maybe it was a, a bit of, of frustration with a particular situation. Um, but the people that I used it with have come back to me on numerous occasions laughing that I would have said this to them, that this was considered some sort of advice, um, and at the same time mirroring back to me that, in fact, it did make an impact, and it made just the impact that it was meant to, and that they loved it, and that it made them laugh, um, and maybe it was what they needed to hear at that time. And so, so here are the words. <laughs> I'm almost a little, a little concerned that I am actually going to say this, but here it is, right? <laughs> it's not it. about you. <laughs> it is not about you. That's the phrase. We so often think that whatever's happening is somehow happening to us, right? Because we're tired, because we didn't have enough coffee, because we've been hurt before, because we're human beings. And so if something goes poorly, or if something, a, a technical thing doesn't work for you, or somebody doesn't act on the direction that you gave them, uh, or you feel like your team is just not your team anymore. Um, so to, to introduce this phrase, it's not about you, uh, has really been helpful uh, because behind that, what I'm really saying is that there's work to be done, there are goals in place, there are tasks, there are systems, there are always the forms and committees. And at the same time, separate from that, there are these people that are trying to do this work. So to react to an event that is part of a system, a structure, um, a computer system, a glitch, a form that didn't get filed, whatever it might be, with the human emotion of feeling like you have been um, not listened to, you've been disrespected, you have been in some way let down, um, is really just going to be heavy for you all the time, every day. So if you can see that it's not about you, then you can have an opportunity to adjust that system, adjust whatever didn't work. If it's not personal, then you can fix it. These are just tasks to be done. But when we make the negative personal, when we take that on, then it's just incredibly disheartening. It makes us grumpy <laughs> and it makes it harder to see the positive and the light that can be happening and the growth that could happen for your organization if you could stop reacting like a human who was just hurt and injured and instead um, look at the process that was involved, 
look at the process gap that exists and the reason why something happened the way that it did and act on that, then when you can do that, you are in in a, a forward moving position. You are ready to move forward based on your own thoughts, based on your own uh, intentions and goals, rather than reacting and feeling like the world is coming down on you. So um, if I if I write a book someday, Brian, um, I am going to uh, ask you to review it, and you will see that the title <laughs> is It's Not About You. <laughs> that is phenomenal. I love that. I'm so glad I asked you that question because that was, that yeah. was brilliant. <laughs> I love that. And it's so true. I mean, I speak to so many business owners, and a lot of them, I think, know they need change, but they're so reluctant because, again, they're tied so closely to it. And it's almost like any examination would feel like a failure if it's not perfect. And any moving off because they take it so personally. But at the end, it's not about them. And I always tell the people I work with, especially if we're doing some sort of culture evaluation or any sort of evaluation, listen, here's the results, but it's not about you. This is what people think about working here. You've got to sort of remove yourself and look at this objectively. We both do. And I just think that's such an important frame of mind for any leader. So I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah, it is important. And you're right, Brian. It's nearly impossible to divorce yourself um, from, from your staff's perception of this workplace when you have created that workplace, when you've created all of it. Of course you're connected. Of course you're invested. Uh, so, of course, you need a coach. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Where can people find you online and learn more about you, Wendy? Yes. Uh, waldronworks.com. That's W-A-L-D-R-O-N-W-O-R-K-S. Waldronworks.com. Info at Waldronworks. And if you shoot me just a little note uh, or, or tag me in, on this, uh, wherever this is, is blasted out through social media, through LinkedIn and such, uh, I would be happy to connect you with the organizational checklist checkup uh, that EOS offers. It's 20 questions. It's really straightforward. No, no ties at all, um, and uh, it's completely uh, it's a it's a free and available tool uh, that folks might be interested uh, in doing just for themselves um, to see wh- where they would rate their organization um, on, in the six vectors. So WaldrainWorks.com. Fantastic. If you can shoot me a link maybe to that survey at some point, we'll put it in the show notes when we release that. I'd be happy to. I'd be happy to, Brian. We'll also link EOS and those two bucks, Traction and Get a Grip, so people can find those easily. And one last question. What does the future hold for Wendy? Hmm. Uh, The future holds uh, clarity, I hope. Uh, Clarity and a robust schedule that's energetic and focused, intentional. Uh, and certainly, um, certainly some walks out in this fall crisp air. Uh, it's important to take care of ourselves. So, um, I, Brian, I, I wanted to, to thank you um, for this time. I, I wish you well, um, and uh, let's let's keep helping lots of people run their businesses and be healthy themselves. <laughs>